0: Hello everyone, today we have with us Meghna Kumar, who is the founder and CEO of CrediWatch. CrediWatch is a data insights as a service company that provides lenders, businesses with actionable credit intelligence on private entities they need to improve, trust and increase their lending and trading activity. Hi
1: Meghna,
0: thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi Shurev, thanks for having me.
0: Meghna, can you please share your career journey with us?
1: sure so um prior to setting up uh credit watch um, i actually used to practice as a corporate lawyer i had my own uh a small little international practice which was based out of new york and india and i'm uh, licensed to practice in two countries and i spent about 15 years of my career as a lawyer due diligence and mergers and acquisition transactions so i used to do this for both uh, in both countries india and the us and when we did a lot of due diligence uh, on M&A transactions in India, a lot of the data that we uh, you know, looked for to find any risk relating to the target was actually, we had to find it very manually by visiting various government bodies to find out information about a company. Uh, and this was a very, very cumbersome process and I had to go to the Registrar of Companies office, I had to go to the courts, I had to go to the Sub-Registrar's office to find real estate records. I had to you know, look through several news media sites to find any articles. I had to do a lot of manual work, visit the income tax office to actually find if there's any risk-related information about the target company my client was acquiring. In the U.S., the experience was a little opposite where a lot of this, most of this data was available in the digital format directly, right? Uh, Around 2006, 2007, India, uh, the Indian government started digitization, and a lot of these government records started getting digitized, and they were available online. So when I found that, you know, towards the end of my, uh, you know, towards 2006, 2007, 2008, a lot of this data for m and transactions started becoming available on the internet through the government websites. I thought that it's a quite an exciting problem to solve for someone to actually curate all of this data and generate risk insights and analytics about a business and i thought that that would solve a lot of problems for me personally as a lawyer for my own practice but it could also be used for other use cases that's the genesis of how CreditWatch was born and how we found that this kind of data can actually be converted into risk insights to solve problem regarding uh, you know trust deficit that exists about businesses today uh, so this company was started by me and my husband My husband is a technology guy. He's worked with very large multinationals across the globe. And uh, at the time that we were living in New York, he actually worked on data warehousing projects. A lot of uh, big data uh, relating to uh, business was fed live into NASDAQ to generate its automatic share price. And he had worked on those kind of tech that point in time we felt that we could combine our you know expertise my subject matter expertise and his technology expertise to actually solve this problem uh, you know using a lot of new technologies and you know at 10 years ago eight years ago uh, ai and machine learning were very very new concepts and that's how we started this exciting journey when we started solving this problem from the pra- perspective of my practice itself so when we started solving this problem we took a small amount of seed money and we started uh, you know this company and uh, the word spread, and it so happened that some of the new digital lenders that exist today, for example, Capital Float, uh, they were very early-stage startups uh, around 2016, and uh, they kind of approached us you know, in 2015, 16 where we, we were in the stealth mode, and said, why don't we use these data APIs to also solve the problem to un- you know, about how fast can we lend to a lender? I mean, to a borrower, if this kind of information is available uh, you know, almost via real-time, via API. And uh, we, we were one of the first fintech firms to start giving APIs on data analytics and insights in the market. And with Capital Float being our first customer in 2015-16 when we were in the stealth mode, uh, you know, the word spread. And today we work with over 20 plus uh, financial institutions uh, and, you know, all sorts of digital lenders and digital platforms. And we also have, uh, you know, have raised a series A uh, very recently in October 2019 from Silicon Valley Ventures.
0: Okay, Main and that has been quite a fascinating journey. Can you please also expand on what CreditWatch actually
1: is? Sure. So, CreditWatch today is a AI-based platform that uses a lot of new technologies like deep learning, machine learning, and AI to curate you know deep insights and credit intelligence about businesses. That's what CreditWatch does. So uh, we, all our clients are uh, leading financial institutions and digital platforms, uh, even corporates and SMEs themselves. Now, what is the problem that we're solving, right? If you look at uh, the landscape of companies in India today, uh, we have about 50 to 60 million SMEs, right? But, and we have about 10,000 listed entities and maybe 1.6 million companies. We have a lot of data available about these seven to 8,000 listed entities Whereas we have some amount of good data available for these 1.6 million companies, and we have very little data available online about these 50 or 60 million SMEs. So that has kind of created a disparity in lending where you, you know uh, institutions are not able to offer the same kind of interest rates or financial products and services to small companies uh, compared to larger businesses. A large business can get an sec- unsecured loan for you know, hundreds of crores or many, many crores. Whereas a small business can barely get an unsecured loan loan for more than about 25 lakhs very small businesses cannot get unsecured loan at all so when what credit essentially does it uses these advanced technologies to build a thicker more robust file on the digitally thin by using a lot of you know latest technologies available and also the new initiatives by the government to democratize access to finance like the India stack and the consent mechanism we're able to curate a lot of alternative data about these businesses and help them uh, you know, create a much more convincing digital uh, identity and digital file, a credit file, based on which the lenders can have more confidence in offering them better interest rates or you know products which may not require a collateral.
0: Okay. Meghna, you have also been a lawyer in your journey. I want to understand from your perspective how difficult or easy it is to start a business in India. Uh,
1: I think that. Uh, now you can set up a company in almost a day or a week. Uh, it, you know, in the, if I've seen, uh, I, I used to set up companies myself, right? That's what I did when I used to be a lawyer. Uh, Compared to the time we would take to set up a business ten years ago to today, I feel that things are really uh, you know they've improved and things are much faster. But having said that, uh, when we go into the realm of business, uh, setting up the company uh, and and with only one set of regulations that may apply to a business. But if you're a business, depending on the area you're in, whether you're in manufacturing. Or whether you're in it or whether you are in logistics there would be a lot of other set of laws and regulations and compliances that would apply to you that is extremely cumbersome even today for a business and while it's easier to set up a business today it's easier for it to even much more easier to close a business than it was 10 years ago there are a lot of regulations that apply Uh, i wish that there would be a threshold of revenue and size before you know uh, which which based on which you know regulations can be eased for smaller entities
0: okay and what are what are your thoughts on the government schemes for women entrepreneurs in india government scheme for women entrepreneurs in india
1: i think that uh, uh in the past uh, two to three years uh, there's been um very exciting wave uh, of, uh, you know, policies. If you look at what the Telangana government is doing there, Telangana government has an accelerator specifically focused on women. I think different governments, whether it's the central government uh, or the Karnataka state government, they have a lot of, uh, even through Niti Ayog and, uh, you know, other government entities, they have a lot of schemes and policies that support women entrepreneurs, celebrate them and also give them a platform. So uh, we've seen that in fintech, especially, you know, I think that there's a reasonable balance of female versus male uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs, uh, which is almost like an equal balance at this point in terms. Of, if you look at the largely funded entities and to, of today, if you if whether you look at Zest or whether you look at Open, you look at CreditWatch, uh, this uh, you know whether it's PayU, a lot of the leading fintechs today have female co-founders or founders, and that's quite exciting.
0: Okay. Uh, but Meghna, in the border ecosystem there is still a dearth of women ceos Why, what do you think is the reason behind
1: that so, uh, so there is a, if it, whether you look at stem science right there are only women there are only uh, while we have 42% of engineers today right that doesn't translate to number of female engineers uh, in a company being 42% as a ratio right uh, even if you look at traditionally entrepreneurship if we extend the same thing while we are very ex- qualified uh, highly talented women uh, that uh, that are there in the mar- that are there today in the ecosystem maybe the ratio of uh, if you look at the entire startup e- ecosystem the ratio of men versus women is still skewed the ratio of men versus women even on boards is still skewed so i think that uh, what this kind of requires a systematic change and i can see that the change has been happening Right, Systematic change in terms of uh, A is that uh, women should also be more more proactive and take the leap of faith and and participate and and take the risk and become entrepreneurs. And at the same time, I think that the ecosystem should be more conscious uh, and supportive of, women entrepreneurs. So uh, I, I see that there's some new VCs. For example, we've been funded uh, by Better Capital uh, and they have one of the best portfolios of female CEOs in the startup ecosystem today. And they funded some of the best female entrepreneurs. So uh, I, I, if more and more stakeholders in the ecosystem uh, start uh, looking at uh, you know uh, gender equality and the fact of bringing in, uh, bridging the gap and disparity as much more of a part of their mission, Right. And a part of the way they work, that if, if every diversity in their portfolio, right, uh, and, more, and more and more women uh, should should at the same time be encouraged to take the risk. So it's kind of a change in mindset. I see that slowly happening. And uh, I mean, I'm pretty happy with the way things are, especially the fintech ecosystem where I can see that uh, compared to what happened in e-commerce, we really didn't have the, uh, the ratio of female e- e-commerce founders who are successful versus male was pretty skewed, but uh, in fintech is fairly balanced.
0: Okay. I also mentioned a very interesting point in this conversation that right now, if you look at a broader VC ecosystem also, less than 10% of the capital goes to women, women founders. Why do you think that happens? Uh,
1: there could be two reasons. It could be that they're not uh, they're not that many deals that come to them, right? Uh, which have, of of startups that are led by, and it may be that they may be only getting a smaller percentage of deals that come to them, uh, uh, and that's why uh, you know fewer women are funded right so it could also be that so the idea is to ensure that more and more women participate as entrepreneurs because at least the vcs that i have interacted with and most vcs in the ecosystem don't really look at it as a gender issue uh, they would look at you know what is the background of an entrepreneur they would look at what is uh, you know what what's the idea that they are uh, going after what's the market and what's the product and what's the differentiator so the parameters they look for are not really gender related and much more on the idea and the opportunity So I think that the best way to solve this problem is to encourage more and more women to take the risk and become entrepreneurs. And the ecosystem needs to kind of nurture, uh, you know, with the help from the government, like what Telangana is doing with the, you know, accelerator program uh, for women per se, to give them a lot of early stage support. So in the early stage, if we build a system of resources to encourage more and more women to take the risk and, and start their own ventures, I think that's the best way to start solving this problem.
0: Okay. So Meghna, what does it take to be a technology entrepreneur in India? Uh,
1: to be a technology entrepreneur, uh, you need to be passionate about solving a problem. And the solution to problem, solving the problem should be obviously using technology right? A lot of times, uh, you know, even if you look at fintech itself, right? Uh, Any business where you use a little bit of technology in in your business, but your core business is not actually technology would not end up being a technology business. But when you're actually using technology to solve the core problem you want to solve, right? That would, uh, you know, become a technology business. So we should kind of be more and more conscious of, uh, you know, how do we use technology to solve problems? Second is, it'll be great uh, if the technology entrepreneurs themselves uh, uh, have a technology background but even if they don't it doesn't matter for example I don't have a technology background but I do have a co-founder who has a technology background so as long as you're able to find a good core team that has a technology skills uh, even if you don't have a technology background you could start a tech company too
0: okay so Meghna coming to something personal now I want to understand what keeps you motivated in this entire journey
1: So what is most exciting uh, for me per se and for Credit Watch is the mission statement that we believe in, right? We genuinely believe that we can solve for credit and we could solve for trade, right? Because SMEs are the heart of the you know ecosystem in India, 40% or 35% of the businesses today are small businesses, right? Credit Watch itself is a small business. So we we wake up every day to look at how to find unique ways to get SMEs better representation uh, with a financial institution. And that kind of motivates us every day because, uh, you know, when we started this journey, only 15% of SMEs were, had access to credit, right? Uh, and on out of the 15% who had access to credit only you know 95% of them had probably mortgaged their house so unsecured lending with SMEs is almost, you know, maybe under 5%, you know, today. So we wake up every day with the motivation that we can use digitization and digitalization and technologies to ensure that SMEs get better access to credit and there's financial inclusion. And that kind of drives us in CreditWatch because when they get better access to credit, they have more working capital access, then they, they can grow their business and the business grows. And if the business grows, then the economy grows, right? So you're actually part of something really big and that's really motivating.
0: Okay. Meghna, what are the roadblocks and concerns faced by women in tech space in India?
1: So, uh, I think that if you look at it generally, right, one of the roadblocks is that women are, there are less women who are entrepreneurs versus men, right? That's the underlying problem. We see that shift changing so the roadblocks for an any early stage entrepreneur is uh, access to a good set of angels right so i think that the ecosystem in the past two to three years has been solving for that where we have developed a very very robust you know angel ecosystem because for an early stage startup much time to go and look whether you're a woman entrepreneur or a male entrepreneur to go look for funding and meet you know thousands of vcs uh, there has to be an ecosystem where you can convince somebody in 15 20 minutes to fund you at an early stage right and especially uh, you know that that's something that was very challenging for everybody now we have the ecosystem and the, the first roadblock that existed i think will be solved where you can get funded you know in a very short time uh, if you have a very compelling proposition and that i think access to that early ecosystem right second was uh, again to be a part of the community right uh, to be networked. I think that was a roadblock that existed uh, a few years ago. But now because we have these platforms specifically focused on female entrepreneurs and also the general ecosystem uh, early stage ventures uh, where all of the accelerator programs are taking, I think, uh, you know, are giving a good platform to both male and female entrepreneurs. If you look at the Surge program by Sequoia, which is an early stage program, I think they have some very interesting uh, early stage startups that are funded by uh, you know, Sequoia and some, many many, of them have women uh, co-founders or founders, right? So that was the initial roadblock to any startup would be that that access support from the ecosystem. And I think that we, we're solving for right now. Uh, and, and many, many participants are solving for it. And that I think would make things much easier in the future.
0: Well, Meghna, as you established by now that the issue is that there are less women entrepreneurs in the ecosystem. Why don't you think that happens?
1: Uh, for a variety of reasons, right? While we get for we are churning out now, now when engineers graduating every day with advanced degrees, right? Have forty percent of them are women. They're not translating to forty percent of female uh, you know engineers in the workforce or they're not translating to 40 percent of female entrepreneurs in technology yet right so uh, there are many reasons that they would drop out right it could be because of reasons for family Uh, it could be they don't have the support you know they could maybe sometimes lack of confidence so a lot of work needs to be done to uh, you know to support women to take risks you know, maybe women could be generally more risk-averse. That's why you don't have so many female entrepreneurs versus male entrepreneurs. But studies do actually say that women-led companies are way more profitable than companies led by men. Even if you look at what's happening today in terms of COVID, countries led by women are doing much better than countries led by men. Which means that there is something unique that women bring to the table uh, to a business or to any to, to any position of leadership. And that has a lot to do with the fact that women are generally more uh you know, Empathetic uh, as compared to men. So, what we need to do is create a system to encourage more women to take risk and this has to start from the grassroots level so you know entrepreneurship is something that needs to be nurtured even at you know from kindergarten onwards at school uh, and if that becomes a part of the curriculum when you encourage and foster entrepreneurship and an entrepreneurial mindset right from your school that would probably and, and nurture and grow uh, the children should learn nurture and grow under that kind of system and learning that would probably encourage more women to take risks and I think we need to kind I start from there. So there's the udhyam uh, learning, uh, the foundation by Makin Mahesh, where he's doing a lot of work with a lot of state, you know, government schools and state schools across the country, uh, you know, bringing in an entrepreneurial curriculum and a mindset with kids. So we need to do that at the grassroots level. Uh, you know, I also do a lot of design thinking workshop for children, uh, even from kindergarten to primary school and middle school. So uh, I, this is something that needs to be encouraged at, this, at the school level itself. And that would, uh, you know, h- give confidence to more women uh, you know if it's a part of instilled as a part of their education for men and women I think that's important
0: Megna, to what would you attribute your success to uh,
1: I think that uh, from, from my perspective uh, you know uh, early access to education right I, I went to school when I was two so early learning is really important for children right the kindergarten the nursery the pre-month the mont. I think that system. If you start learning really early, uh, and you and you focus on, uh, you know, you get access to good quality education from the years, you know, two onwards till your. Ten, it really opens your brain, and if 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 the program you're a part of, you know, focuses on your physical, mental, and overall development, it really it changes the way you are as a person. You know, studies have shown that kids who have had access to early education across the world are fairly successful as adults. Right, I think that's been a contributing factor because I've had access to uh, the education system from the age of school from the. Preschool uh, and which was not very common in those days. Second is to I think, especially for women, when you have parents, uh, especially mothers who work right uh, for any child whether it's a boy or a girl when you have a mother who works who's career oriented who's focused that gives you a lot of uh, positivity and confidence early on uh, and you that you tend to kind of uh, you know be inspired by that so I had a work both my parents were working uh, you know and my mother was, was very very career oriented and that I think was a very key contributing factor and also I think generally I grew up in an environment uh, and, and was a part of uh, you know the the family that I had was where, there was no differentiation I never uh, I, have, I have never experienced any gender discrimination in my life to be frank so from that perspective I think that I had the uh, you know opportunity to be a part of the uh, although you know it was a very middle class upbringing to be a part of an environment where I was treated as an equal uh, even in school uh, even at home and I think that's the, and that was a confidence that I got to kind of uh you know that instilled a lot of confidence in me right from the early age so i got a lot of leadership opportunities even in school so i think that the the that that kind of environment when you grow up early education is extremely important it shapes the mind uh, of, of of any person and it, it and, and 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 that's what would largely determine what you do uh in your uh future and i think that's kind of where the country needs to invest its resources where not only focusing on education from class one, but I think that if children start getting access to learning, right, it need not be a complete school, but from the age of two and get exposed to go, you know, grow their cognitive, mental, physical, you know, all sorts of skills right from that age, you know, we, can, we will have a lot of more entrepreneurs. And if you bring that into the curriculum right from then.
0: Okay. Meghna, I want to understand from your perspective what kind of tips for people who are just starting in, into the tech entrepreneurship space?
1: What are the tips? Okay, so uh, the first thing is that uh, you should be passionate about solving a problem. Uh, you know, uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't be that you're trying to say, what's the cool thing to do? Should I do social networking because that looks cool? Or should I do now fintech because that's cool? But you should really try to solve a problem that you're extremely passionate about. And some of the most successful businesses that we have today have kind of stemmed out of the passion that the entrepreneurs had to solve a problem that they have kind of experienced. So the first tip that I would have is to ensure that, you know, do something, solve a problem that you're really passionate about solving, right? And that's the first tip. Second is, I think it's really important uh, for entrepreneurs because there are a lot of challenges. Uh, it's very hard being an entrepreneur. And this is something that nobody talks about, that it's quite hard for you mentally to be an entrepreneur because you would kind of be going contrarian against what is advised. You're advised to get a job, you're advised to you know, buy a house, buy a car, start a family, you know, you, know, uh, you know, put, save money and, and plan for the future. So when you're an entrepreneur, you can't do all of that. Right, you will probably be in your worst financial situation possible. You, you were not going to, you can't be an entrepreneur in an ideal condition. That means it's very hard on your mental health. And I think that a lot of early stage entrepreneurs should be very conscious that it's very important for them to take care of their health early on, whether it's physical health or mental health. I think that's extremely important.
0: Okay, bring this stuff now. How people get in touch with you?
1: So I'm on Twitter uh so um, i am i tweet a lot i'm on linkedin and twitter and uh, you know you uh, people can tweet me and i'll i'll respond or, or you can send me a linkedin invite i'm i'm very active on linkedin also
0: okay Meghna thank you so much for your time